Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Rowe and our good friends at Byers Auto. If you're looking for an auto, head to buyersauto.com and see the latest in their selections. Anywhere in central Ohio, you're going to find something great at buyersauto.com. Today, we're talking stuff about a lot of changes that are coming in college football. Some of them may affect Ohio State. We're going to try to break that down. Myself and Zach Carpenter are going to look into the coaching carousel, see how some of these things that have gone on around college football in the last few days uh, have a chance to really change up the way Ohio State's recruiting in the class of 2022 and beyond. So let's get to the show. I'm back with Zach Carpenter. We are talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting and uh, unlike most shows that we do here, we're not really going to start by talking about Ohio State football recruiting directly because college football has turned itself upside down in the last few days. Zach, this started Sunday morning when rumors of Lincoln Riley to USC, uh, they didn't really start. They started and finished uh, quickly. Uh, you know, for month, for the last couple of weeks, the talk had all been about Lincoln Riley to LSU, and it seems like he was using that as a smokescreen. Brian Kelly was actually trying to get the Notre uh, the USC job. And then when Lincoln Riley doesn't take the USC job, Link, Brian Kelly instead takes the LSU job. Everything is going crazy. Our pets' heads are falling off. Like, what is going on in college football? And how do you think – let's just dive right in. The openings, Oklahoma, LSU is now closed, Notre Dame, USC, all of these things happening. How? What's the biggest – storyline that you think comes out of this i mean yeah if for ohio state let's make it a, let's tie it into ohio state of course college football didn't just go and get itself drunk it got blackout drunk and is doing a bunch of illicit illegal drugs right now i mean literally the last 48 hours have been saying we're not done i mean i have the pete thamel uh twitter notifications on because anything could pop while we're recording this could pop in the next hour throughout the day so i mean we're not done with this but I think obviously, the, to me, the most, um, especially from an Ohio State point of view, the biggest storyline out of all this is obviously Lincoln Riley to USC because it has ramifications for um, for Ohio State for the next several years because what have we seen Ohio State do over the past five years, 10 years, whatever, they find they find an area or a state that's weak and they attack that, that area. Southern California was one of those that they were they had a great foothold in. And now Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley brings instant credibility as a head coach and especially as a recruiter, because Lincoln Riley is right there alongside Ryan Day as maybe the most uh, visible head coach in college football recruiting. Um, and now he puts he puts USC right back at the top as one of Ohio State's main competitors, especially in that area. I mean, for the St. John Bosco kids, I mean, Ohio State has like six, seven, eight of those guys. And yeah. in the 22 cycle, 23, 24 that they've offered, they've uh, they prioritized. And then um, you, you have uh, guys like Ernest Green. He's another Bosco kid. But the, the I think if we're looking on the flip side as a potential positive for 
that situation with Ohio State, I think it does put them in good footing with Devin Brown as a potential quarterback in this 22 class because I think you've mentioned it before. I think you mentioned it in the story you wrote yesterday that Lincoln Riley's strategy, it was a Lincoln Riley strategy at Oklahoma to bring in a top shelf quarterback every other cycle and not every cycle. Yeah. And if he brings, if he goes the Al Pacino, Jamie Foxx in any given Sunday uh, uh, strategy of Lincoln Riley goes to USC, goes to uh, West Coast and brings Caleb Williams with him. Yeah. And you have Jackson Dart already as a, a redshirt freshman. Um, and then that leaves the 22 cycle. It looks like in the 23 cycle, Malachi Nelson already decommitted. And it looks like that's already a done deal for Lincoln Riley to flip him from Oklahoma to USC. So that does leave that 2022 class as uh, barren, so to speak, where USC probably wouldn't want to bring in yeah. uh, a quarterback. So, but I mean, is that your read on the situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I think that it, the situation here, it's so up in the air. And I want to start by saying this because I, I'm already getting a lot of Twitter DMs from people. The same thing that happens every year. Is Ryan Day going to leave? Is he going to take the Bears job? Like, I don't know where this stuff comes from. Ryan Day it has no intention of leaving Ohio State. I know that this is not a situation like Lincoln Riley saying, I'm definitely not going to be the head coach at LSU and then taking the USC job or whatever. Ryan Day is not going to leave Ohio State anytime soon as long as Ohio State does the right things. But that, that's such a juicy headline, Berm. Come yeah, on. I, I get it. I mean, I understand why people want to, want to bring that up, but that's just not what's going to happen. Number one, I'm going to say this point blank. <laughs> If Ryan Day ever thought about leaving Ohio State, he would not do it after getting his ass kicked by Michigan. I'm telling you that right now. That guy, his 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 competitiveness is not going to allow him to leave and then be perceived as he's running away from, from Michigan all of a sudden because that's what the headlines would be. And that's just simply not going to happen. You Ryan used Day to, used a good word for ego, competitiveness instead of ego, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, uh, I like competitiveness because that's what fuels me as a person. It's not... I want to be the best at what I do. And I know Ryan Day is that way. And, and he's the type of guy that is not going to allow himself to be remembered by Ohio State fans as the coach who got their ass kicked by Michigan and then he left. Like, that's just not going to happen. Now, that said, what we've seen in this cycle, and it's happening out at Kentucky because there's talk about Mark Stoops to Oklahoma. and He's trying to leverage that into Kentucky needs to upgrade some stuff and and and. It's, you know, Ohio State doesn't need to upgrade facilities, but there's going to need to be some changes inside of, of what the commitment to the program is as far as money for assistant coaches and that kind of stuff that's going to have to happen. All these things are in play. We're seeing college football completely turn itself upside down. $100 million deals for Mel Tucker, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, $125 million, James Franklin, $80 million guaranteed. Like these programs are saying we are investing into the program. Ohio State has always done that. But right now, the Buckeyes are a little bit behind in some areas, and they're going to have to quickly catch up. That's not to say that there's any concern about Ryan Day leaving this year, as I said, but let's just move on from that. Lincoln Riley to USC is all but certainly a move that locks up Southern California for the next two or three years because the excitement of a new coach hire is going to change the way you recruit in that area. Now, if he goes to USC and they continue to play like Oklahoma, and they don't have defense and they can't figure out how to stop people and they're, you know, on the periphery of the playoff every year but don't win, maybe that reopens up in two years. Maybe the brand of Ohio State is big enough that it doesn't matter that there's going to be kids who are drawn to that like they are to Alabama and Clemson and Georgia. I think that there's a truth that there is somewhere in the middle of that. 
I think that right now, and I'm going to have to change my predictions on our uh, the recruiting prediction machines on on three. I'm going to have to remove the predictions for Zion Branch and Zachariah Branch and put them to USC. I think that's all but a done deal uh, with Lincoln Riley there. I don't believe um, that they truly ever wanted to not go to USC, but the uncertainty there made it such that they had no real option. That uncertainty is over. I think they're both going to go to USC. So we can just bury the lead or try not to bury the lead there. But and I and, think and, and added uh, an added wrinkle of that is if he does keep on Dante Williams, um, the, obviously we've talked about that like a million times over the past three months that Dante has done such a great job of building a relationship with them. And if he stayed on the staff there, it, it became pretty clear that he was not going to become the uh, head coach, but it was a question of whether or not he stays on the staff to, uh, um, and I think that would have been a great boon for keeping Zion Branch or uh, not keep keeping him in that area. Yeah. And then they uh, Oklahoma Lincoln Riley brings in Dennis Simmons, the wide receivers coach over with him from Oklahoma to USC, who already established a good relationship with Zachariah Branch. And it, it always felt like a package deal with those, with those yeah. two. Even if, I mean, even if they say publicly it's, it's not, um, but the added bonus of having familiarity with Lincoln Riley, who has recruited both of them to Oklahoma. Um, and I think he took an official visit there or had one planned. Zion Branch did take one there. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, this is not a situation where it's it's not like someone like Devin Brown, for example, who has no pre-existing relationship with Lincoln Riley. The Branch brothers do. They've been to Oklahoma. Uh, it, it's, it's too easy to say that. Now, I'm going to add a slight asterisk here and say that I – don't like to ever bet against Brian Hartline. So it does make it, I, I would say I'm less confident that, that there's going to be a package deal now, but I'm more confident that they'll both end up at USC than I was before. I, I, I truly believe that Brian Hartline's reputation and the relationship he has with Zachariah Branch and the time that could happen and everything that could happen between now and signing day next December, that there's at least an outside chance Ohio State could still find a way to, to get Zachariah Branch. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen with Zion. The, the only time I would, I mean, it, the only time I think I would bet against Brian Hartline is a situation like this where you, you can't bet against a family, a strong family yeah. connection like that in location. So it, it's going to be weird because they were they were in the driver's seat for both of these guys for so long, and especially Zachariah Branch because of that uh, Hartline. And Keenan Bailey does a little uh, work on the receiver yeah. recruiting side, but it, it seemed like they, it didn't seem like it. They were the in the pole position for those guys. And uh, Zachariah Branch now, it, he, yeah. I, I'm calling him one of the most explosive players in his class for like the last, I mean, three, four months. And now it looks like you're going to lose out on that, uh, that dynamic. But it, do you, I don't know if you want to shift over to Notre Dame yet, because since we're talking receivers, Carnell. Well, Tate, I, I, I want to figure, I, I want, I think we should finish up with USC because I do think there's a potential for this to be uh, a hero canoe issue as well. And then I brought that up, um, you know, immediately on, on Sunday or Monday story is that, Hero Canoe was a very close to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. He had made a USC visit two weeks ago just to kind of check it out. And I'm going to tell you why I think that happened. And I think it's because Lincoln Riley told Hero Canoe, I'm going to USC. And I, I, I don't see any other reason why at that point Canoe would have made a visit to USC unless he had some information that he needed to check it out because he had pretty much wrapped up his recruitment between Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Notre Dame. And then all of a sudden USC is there. If, and we'll maybe try to talk about this on the back end, we don't want to go too long today. I know we could talk for hours today, but 
if something happens and Larry Johnson does end up retiring and there's scuttlebutt about that. And I, as I said on the message board on the forum on, on Letterman Row on Monday, Larry Johnson's going to retire at some point. So it, it, maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year. I don't know. Larry Johnson's supposed to be seeing Harold Canoe at his high school today. Maybe he'll get an answer on that. The expectation as of last week is that Hero Canoe was in the Ohio State recruiting class. That is what is expected. Now, this does add a wrinkle there. And and I know people are going to freak out, but this is just college football. There's going to be changes. And, and when you have a clear-cut deficiency on the defensive coaching staff at Ohio State and clear-cut issues that need to be addressed, Ryan Day is going to be put into a position where he's going to have to make some Big picture changes that may impact the next two weeks. And, uh, you know, it, it, it may be a tough pill to swallow for the Buckeyes and the Buckeyes fans, but that's just the way it's going to be. And you, you mentioned big picture stuff that this happens all, all the time in college football. That's the nature of the sport. And I, I want to at some point hopefully uh, get get this theory or uh, thoughts across. I'll save it for for later um, about, about the bigger picture, maybe. But whatever, I'll get I'll get into that later because we're, we're on Larry Johnson right now, I think. It's it's like you said. It's like you said about the about Michigan being Ohio State. It was going to happen at some point. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Larry Johnson is going to retire at some point, and it's a matter of when it's going to happen. And it feels like it's there's even stronger, um, like you said, rumors scuttlebutt that it's going to happen. I know Austin had talked about it on on Monday in his in his story for questions for the off season, and it's been sort of a theory working theory we both had about. Maybe that's why defensive linemen have not pulled the trigger. They were searching for five, at, at minimum, four defensive linemen in this class. Yeah. And I do believe that Larry Johnson's future as uh, as Ohio State's defensive line coach, as a defensive line coach in college football, I think that was a talking point that other schools were correctly and understandably using against Ohio State. And I think – Yeah, that's been a talking point for the last five years. and. Uh, eventually it's going to come true. And that, that's just one of those things you have to deal with. And Ohio State's goal here, and this is why Ryan Day, it's so important that the Buckeyes are out on the recruiting show right now, is to make sure kids know that it's Ohio State. No matter who retires, no matter which coaches leave, no matter which coaches get an opportunity to be a head coach, no matter which coaches are asked to move on because of uh, problems or, 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 or chemistry fits or whatever, Ohio State is going to hire great coaches. And Ryan Day is going to take that personally to make sure that he does. You know, I, I've talked with Sonny Styles on Monday night for a little bit. And, and, you know, there's talk about a lot of guys, Al Washington leaving. Except, you know, it, now if Marcus Freeman's the head coach at Notre Dame, we can turn that in. You know, it, not that that's a done deal by any stretch, but would that sway Sonny Styles if Marcus is the head coach and Al Washington leaves? And Sonny says, no, I'm not going anywhere. Ohio State's Ohio State. We're going to hire great coaches. The, the future's just getting started. We're not slowing down. That's the mentality that Ohio State needs to have on the recruiting trail. And Ryan Day, this is this is going to be, I mean, golly, Zach, this guy has just had test after test after test since he took over at Ohio State with all of the things that have happened. And now this is the biggest one because now this is his moment to turn the program into his program entirely. And it, 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 it's it's no doubt his biggest his biggest test because he he He's gotten a, a lot of uh, slack for um, for the fact that he took over. I mean, he, he took over was already built into a giant by Urban Meyer. And he's I think he's taken it to another level. But now it's almost like a reset year. It feels like this offseason because we're talking about Larry Johnson, but there could be upwards of five or six new coaching changes, maybe more. I mean, yeah. I know we don't want to be hyperbolic or like over um, oversell it or whatever. Um 
whatever the right word is, but you could see changes to uh, uh, an overhaul of the defensive staff. I mean, I know there's been obviously Larry Johnson retirement. There's talk of maybe Kerry Combs may not return for another year. Al Washington um, may possibly not. I mean, Greg Sadrawa, there's been talks of, of those two sides parting ways. Kevin Wilson could get a head coaching job that he deserves. Tony Alford is is one of the, I think if we were power ranking the guys that it, uh, that would hurt the most for Ohio State to lose in terms of the recruiting side, I think Tony Alford might be probably number two or three behind Larry Johnson because he's so important, yeah. not just for running back recruiting, but he's such an important And I want to be, I, I think it's important. I'm just going to put this out here right now because I had talked with someone close to Tony Alford on Monday and the, because there's all this talk about you know, coaches here, coaches there. The response I was given was, and I'm going to say this as bluntly as I can, Tony Alford isn't effing leaving Ohio State. Now, there is no job opening at Colorado State right now. So that's a big, you know, asterisk. If Tony Alford, who loves Colorado State, and if they make a move and fire Steve Adazio like they should have done multiple times already, and they offer the job to Alford, which isn't even a guarantee because this, this is a guy who's never even been a coordinator. He's it, It's a bold strategy to move a guy from running backs coach to head coach when he's never been a coordinator, but you know he loves the program. You know he's going to that job opening could change that, but the the underlined tone was Tony Alford isn't effing leaving Ohio State. Now, take that. Did they say word. effing? No, they did not. I had to uh, self-edit here. Now that is again irrelevant. What is relevant is that Ohio State is going to have to make changes to keep up with college football. Uh, I personally think that change is good for you. Sometimes uh, I. And in a weird way, and now I know we're deviating off the topic here, but all this other stuff that's just happened in the last 48 hours with USC, Lincoln, Riley, Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, LSU, now, uh, just right now, Kentucky Sports Radio saying they expect Mark Stoops to take, to stay at Kentucky and that there is a commitment from Kentucky to put more money into the football program. Like now Oklahoma probably turns in and Brett Venables is probably their, their top guy. So now Clemson's defensive staff changes. And now how does that impact A.J. Harris? How does that impact, uh, you know, uh, you know, Derek LeBlanc? Like there's all these things like this next couple of weeks, folks, is going to be absolutely bananas. And I just the next 48 about, hours is going to be bananas. I mean, I, I expect yeah. some more stuff to happen. But by the time we're off of this podcast, at this if, point. if we go back to 2013 and I'm going to say this, this is what I'm saying. I think change can be good at, at, a, at a point. 2013, the Ohio State coaching staff had Luke Fickle, Everett Withers, Kerry Combs, Dan Drayton, Mike Vrabel, Tim Hinton. And next year, Withers was gone. Drayton was gone, you know, after the, the year after. Vrabel was gone. Larry Johnson came in. Uh, you know, there, Chris Ash came in as the new defensive coordinator. There, there's just things that are going to happen. The next year, Ohio State won the national championship because they made changes that they had to make. And it seems like. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, scarlet and gray glasses or whatever to say, hey, that's that's the But Ohio State is still one of the two or three most talented teams in the country. That's not changing. It doesn't. That's not changing. And, and Ryan Day is not going to stop bringing in talented players. They are going to be forced to change some philosophies, I think, and, and some, uh, you know, maybe refocus a little bit of the energy on on winning the game first and then the national championship second. But uh, I think that this this week can be good. And I actually think it's really good for Ohio State that all this other stuff has happened because that focus that everyone in the country had on Ohio State finally losing to Michigan on Sunday morning is completely gone. And Ohio State can just recenter itself and get on the road and go out and, and make sure that they're spreading their message and not being uh, kind of distracted by the national narrative like oh jim harbaugh now owns ohio state like something that's that stupid you know you win once every decade and all of a sudden you act like you're you know the king of the the planet but that's that's not the way it works and ohio state's not going anywhere so notre dame you're, you're basically saying that uh ohio state's loss to michigan is the equivalent of a friday news dump in the, in the grand scheme of things but i think at, the, at this point it is i mean it's it's gone by monday morning and and, and it's what happened and now we have to look at, at the big picture of recruiting well, it's gone by Monday morning for the national narrative, but I don't think folks in Columbus, Ohio, would agree with you there. Um, but <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe the, not. the loss there is not as big of a, a talking point. But yeah, if, if we're if we're switching gears over to Notre Dame, obviously the there's there's the names that have been mentioned as the head coach uh, there are potential Luke Fickle hire over from Cincinnati, Matt Campbell, I was from Iowa State, and Marcus Freeman potentially staying uh, staying on and um, being bumped up to head coach in, in the short term, you mentioned Xavier Wampa, and I'm not sure if it, if it felt like Notre Dame was kind of running third in that recruitment for a while anyway. Yeah. I and still think now, they are. Yeah. And now I just, I don't think if you have that much, that question at the top, I don't know if they, if Notre Dame would even be able, I don't think they, even when Brian Kelly was still there, I don't know if they were going to be able to overtake Ohio state or Iowa. So yeah, unless Notre Dame makes a coaching hire in the next seven days, they could be entering the college football playoff without a head coach. I mean, you this this is just the type of chaos. Xavier Wampa is making a commitment on December 8th. Ohio State's visiting him Wednesday. I was visiting him this week, I'm sure, at some point. I don't know exactly when. To me, it's Ohio State-Iowa in that battle. And again, I, I know we're kind of all over the place, folks, on this episode of Talking Stuff brought to you by Byers Auto. But that's the way this week is going. We're feeling a little bit whatever. Um, Matt Barnes is Xavier Wampa's lead recruiter. Uh, if Matt Barnes wants to continue to be a defensive coordinator and get a shot to, to do that, which he should, he's good at it. He's a great young coach. I don't know if that's going to be at Ohio State. He may end up having to, to move on to get an opportunity to continue in that role because Ohio State may be in a position where Ryan Day has to hire an established long-term defensive coordinator in that spot. Does that mean Matt Barnes moves on somewhere else or is he willing to take a, a, a reassignment back to what he was doing at just working with the safeties this year? Like there's a lot of questions and every school in the country is going to use that as a way to try to poke and prod Ohio state uh, back to Notre Dame. Yeah. Colonel, Colonel takes the one we've talked about already. I don't know that that impacts anything unless Tommy Reese heads with uh, Brian Kelly down to LSU. I have a tough time believing that Rees, a Notre Dame graduate and former player, is going to do that. Um, obviously, it changes things because you don't know who Notre Dame's coach is. But the biggest one for Ohio State fans, I think, is is Luke Montgomery. 
Uh, well, real quick on the Carnell Tate, because we're talking about all this chaos and instability and at Ohio State, the two mainstays that you know you have are Ryan Day at the top, Mark, uh, Mark Pantoni at the top, and Brian Hartline as the receivers coach. So as far as Carnell Tate goes, I think uh, he has to be confident with the infrastructure he sees at Ohio State as far as that goes. Um, but it, Notre Dame, the, I, I'm interested to see the fallout over the next week or two weeks uh, of from their coaching staff because, like you said, Luke Montgomery, if, if, Mark, if Luke Fickle winds up going from Cincinnati to Notre Dame and then Marcus Freeman goes from Notre Dame to Cincinnati – Notre Dame is recruiting Luke Montgomery as defensive lineman. They're like the, yeah, the, but does that continue if Mike Elston is no longer at Notre Dame? Because Mike Elston is really the only defensive line coach in the country that's recruiting Luke, Luke Montgomery as a defensive lineman. Everyone else wants him as an offensive lineman. So it certainly comes down to the fact, does Luke Montgomery want to play defense? Because if he does, I, I'm still I, – I'm, I'm actually becoming more and more convinced that that's his preference for some reason. Uh, and, and I don't know – why? Because every college coach in America is telling him he's going to be an offensive lineman, but kids are going to do what kids want to do. But yeah, I mean, th this, these changes are crazy. <laughs> the crazy is the crazy and chaotic are, are the two words that you, I mean, that keep coming to mind. Um, I don't know. Are there any other, other than Carnell Tate, Luke Montgomery, Xavier Wampa, are there any other, others that uh, Notre Dame is Notre Dame, Ohio state are in like a dead heat with? right now that could be affected by it? No, I mean, I think that there's a potential ramification down the road for someone like Peyton Woodyard, who, again, when we're talking about USC at the start and with the St. John's Bosco kids, that's a guy that I think could be in play a little bit more, depending on what Ohio State does defensively. I would think, and I, if I was Ohio State, I'd be reaching out to Josh Burnham, the linebacker from Michigan who committed to Notre Dame over Michigan and Ohio State back in the spring. I, I know Michigan's going to reach out to him now that they're feeling themselves and there's this opening at Notre Dame. Uh, the question about Emil Wagner has to be asked, you know, now that he's uh, without a coach uh, there at Notre Dame, did Ohio state like him enough to try to even salvage that knowing that they need another tackle and knowing that at this point, Ernest green and Carson Hensman are up in the air there. Again, we go back to Ohio state is Greg Studrar going to be there. Like there's, you know, I, I had one of the fathers of one of the Ohio State commitments of uh, the offensive line reach out on Monday asking about, hey, I, is Greg Durar going to be fired? I mean, other coaches are telling us that. Other schools are telling us that. Like this time of year, it, it is going to just be a, a nonstop rumor mill, and it's hard to keep up. And uh, I think the thing for Ohio State, and this is what they've done all along, Zach, this, this cycle, is they've tried not to panic about anything. They, they've maintained the course they had their plan and they're sticking with it how does that change that plan change with two weeks to sign day? that's the question well that is the question but i mean you um, i i you gotta commend obviously the ohio state staff for having that mentality but everything's fall it feels like so much of the coaching infrastructure fall around them that now they're like you mentioned earlier one of their biggest pitches i guess for lack of a better word is it's Ohio State, the brand. Yeah. It's, you know what we have in place here, which is true um, to a certain extent because they they've now solidified themselves as a college football power. And no matter what, no matter who they bring in, they're going to bring in good coaches. But it, it, you you can talk about it. But now Ryan Day will likely have to do it. And I know we're talking already as if these coaching moves have already been made. So but they haven't. Every Ohio State coach is on the road and. 
this is why it's important. And we've talked about this before, Zach, that unlike Urban Meyer before him, Ryan Day is a nine inning recruiter. He gets to know these kids at the very start, the kids that he that are in the Ohio State committed class of 2022 and 2023. Ryan Day is familiar with them. This isn't a situation where the kids commit to an, a position coach and then Ryan Day talks to them a week before signing day for the first time. Ryan Day is intimately involved in every one of these recruitments, and it does make it easier to bridge any troubled water that would arise. And going back to what I said about Lincoln Riley, I think Lincoln Riley and Riley, Ryan Day are two of, if not the two most visible head coaches in, uh, in recruiting because I, I think situations like this week, I think are exactly why Ryan Day does that, or at least a reason why he does that not just from the getting to know them from a young age uh, to see if they are good culture fits, because you've seen what Ryan Day is uh, strategized. It's, it's a massive philosophy philosophy for him in recruiting that he talks about all the time is we want to make sure that we have guys that are right fits that aren't going to, that understand his words are understand what being a Buckeye is and aren't going to transfer, go into the transfer portal as soon as times get tough, but also so that they know that, their best relationship is with the head coach who is going to be there for yeah. the foreseeable future, which Ryan Day is, as you already hammered home. And, and this is the thing, though. I mean, as you just brought up the words, the, those two little magic words that everyone hates and everyone fears but everyone loves, uh, the transfer portal is a real thing. If and I don't like to keep working in hypotheticals, but if Larry Johnson retires and Ohio State doesn't sign any defensive lineman, in the class of 2022, which I don't believe is will be the case. I still think that they'll end up with two or three in this class uh, at, at, at minimum. Um, the transfer portal exists. And whoever the next defensive line coach is and the next defensive coordinator uh, is going to have ties to kids around the country. And those kids are going to be like, oh, now I want to play for this guy. And it changes everything. There is no such thing anymore as a dead period because I, I'm j- just throwing out random names. And I, I'm going to use him as a total hypothetical here because. I've never heard his name connected to Ohio State, but I personally think he'd be an awesome fit as a defensive line coach if something did happen. Andre Carter, who's the defensive line coach at LSU, former NFL first-round pick, coached, played at Cal, worked with Ryan Day at San Francisco for a year. If Andre Carter ended up being the Ohio State defensive line coach because now Brian Kelly brings Mike Elston with him to LSU, let's just hypothetically. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's do, do, do kids that at LSU all of a sudden become a possibility to just transfer to Ohio State for a year? I mean, is it worth it? Yeah, it is, because th- this is just the way the game is played now. And I personally hate it. I think it's terrible for college football. I think these $150 million coaching contracts are terrible for college football. I think all this stuff is terrible for college football, and I think it ruins the spirit of the game that I grew up loving so much. But it's now the game. Yeah, adapt or die, Berm. I mean – if you're going to allow, if coaches are able to jump ship out of nowhere like this, because I think the Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, I mean, position coaches jump from job to job all the time or get fired all the time. And 
uh, coaches go from group of five to power five gigs all the time. Th these two are about as eye popping as as you could expect to happen or then Ryan Day or Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney leaving the yeah. there. If they're able to go jump ship this late in the process, uh, two weeks before the early signing period, then you have to combat that with allowing players to do the same yeah. and hit the transfer portal. We're recording this. It's now 1156 AM on Tuesday morning, uh, November 30th. And as of today, I'm looking at it right now. There are 45 new names that have been added to the transfer portal this morning, just this morning, just November 30th. There were that many on, on Monday, the 29th. This is going to be one of the more impactful off seasons for the landscape of college football that anyone has ever seen. And it's impossible to get a grip on everything that's going. And that's something I wanted to bring up, sort of a bigger picture theory. I was talking with you a little bit yesterday, but that was before the, uh, I think that was before the Brian Kelly news hit and a couple other coaching moves. Um, it, to me, it always felt like this year, this cycle was going to be a little bit of a one-off with got a lot of guys pushing their signing from December to February to the regular signing period, because we've seen the, the shift in the past uh, three years where it seems like everybody signs during the early signing period. Yeah. And it felt like that was going to change a little bit this year with more guys deciding to uh, wait till February, just because of the COVID year with not getting senior full senior tape evaluation out to coaches and then more opportunities popping up. Um, just to name a couple of things, but now I'm wondering if seeing this happen with the, the landscape of college football changing coaching wise, I'm wondering now if we're going to see a trend in the next couple of years where more and more guys push their, their decisions back to February to say, Hey, I want to see if my coach is even going to be there. Yeah. And because we've seen the last two cycles, Ohio state set records for the number of early enrollees they have, because that was a big push, I think, from... Because well, it's huge for players on campus, yes. right? I mean, you, you exactly. get so much better and so much faster. But as you're saying, exactly. how do you know what you're walking into? Yeah, would you rather, would you want to sacrifice that early development, the extra six, six or so months of development at the college level, would you sacrifice that to know what the coaching situation is at your school? And I think um, there's a lot of guys this cycle, Ohio State commits and targets who will not be enrolling early already before this coaching carousel hit hit this um, before yeah. it, it went haywire. I'm wondering what are your thoughts because I think we could see that shift to more guys signing in February and going referring back to what it used to be at least for like a year or two. I don't know. No, if I agree. Good. I agree. And I, you know, Zach, when when we were dealing with the JT to Maloa recruitment. I said over and over, if I was a top 10, top 15 player in the country, I would never sign a letter of intent ever. I would, uh, it was the way that JT Tuomaloa handled his recruitment was maybe a little bit extreme. But if I was one of these top kids, I'm not making any decision until March. I'm waiting to see everything that happens through spring ball. And I'm saying, hey, okay, now oh, that school just lost three defensive linemen in the transfer portal. Now, I mean, why not? Everything is changing. And, and Again, I don't think it's going to be good for the long-term game of college football, but these kids have way more uh, of, a, of a control over their future now than they ever did before. The coaches no longer have leverage where you can say, hey, I, you have to sign now or I'm not going to keep you here. 
things change, man. These kids don't have the, these kids have the ability to do pretty much whatever they want. And if I was a top five player, top 20 player, and I was, let me say, let me change it. A guy like CJ Hicks, who's top 10 player in the country is from Ohio, knows he wants to play for Ohio state, totally different situation. But if you're a kid in, you know, Overland Park, Kansas, and you like, Hey, you know what? I have a lot of opportunities. Everything's changing. I would wait. I would just simply wait. I, I don't know why anyone wouldn't at this point, because it's clear that the coaching carousel and the transfer portal and everything else that's occurring has changed the the volatility of the game to a level that I don't think anyone can really comprehend. Yeah, I think that we saw that years ago with the NBA kind of it was a trickle down effect from the NBA, the player empowerment era. And that's now trickle down to college football and high school college football recruiting with the high school athletes because they know the power and control they have. I mean, it also started with NIL and transfer portal stuff. I think now we're going to see that more. And um, I'd, I'd, I'm curious to see how it changes the game. And I mean, I'm not sure if I not to do a cop out answer, but I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Um, and obviously you feel strongly that it's bad for the game. I'm, I think it's going to make the game a little crazier, especially in the off season, but we already talk about college football year round uh, as yeah. far as that goes. But I, I just, I know that I'm kind of a traditionalist in these things. I, I think that there is a true value in loyalty and in fighting through adversity and getting to be your best self after going through struggles. I think that's a huge part of life. And I think that's what college is supposed to be about. And I know that you're the student athlete, uh, moniker is sort of ridiculed just in the fact that everyone knows that they're basically just unpaid professionals in most instances, but they do have a lot of really cool opportunities that they get because of that and opportunities for, for, you know, lifetime worths of loyalty and, and, and love from fan bases around the country. I mean, look at Columbus, Ohio, every kid who's ever played at Ohio state can come to Ohio and Columbus, Ohio for the rest of his life and never pay for a meal. I mean, there are things that you get out of that sort of loyalty and sticking with a program through the tough times. Um, but I get it. It's changed now because coaches don't have that type of loyalty anymore. And schools can't have that type of loyalty to coaches. I think, you know, I think the craziest thing that happened in the last year, and I wrote about it on Sunday in my, my talk about the, the gap year between Ohio State and Michigan, how it maybe reset the rivalry in a way, because if Ohio State would have played Michigan at home in 2019 or 2020 with Justin Fields and the offense and the defense that Ohio State had and Michigan being totally outmanned and hurt and Aiden Hutchinson not playing, Ohio State would have beat them by 65 points last year and Jim Harbaugh would have been fired. I mean, it would have happened. And instead, they get to say, hey, let's take a step back and reevaluate. James Franklin beat Ohio State on a fluke block field goal in 2016. And now he won't ever leave Penn State. I mean, the, the game has changed in such a way that these little things allow coaches to have huge amounts of uh, leverage against these schools. But the schools now can't just let someone build a program like you. So you need those huge moments to happen. And I, I'm afraid as more and more of this happens, I mean, I think the craziest thing, and I know right now we're just talking randomly, but like the Notre Dame staff and, and media who covers Notre Dame being surprised that Brian Kelly left. Like I don't cover Notre Dame. I don't, I'm not particularly dialed into, into the coaching search world, but it's been pretty common knowledge for the last four or five years that he's been looking to get out of, out of South Bend because he thought he maxed the program out. He, he tried to get a, an NFL job for multiple years in a row. Same with Jim Harbaugh. Like these coaches 
don't have loyalty to the schools, even the ones that you think would. I mean, they they, they have an opportunity to move on. Um, and if the school that they're at isn't willing to invest entirely and almost grossly into them and their program, then they look for the next one. And, and this is just going to be a, a loop that I don't know how it ends without a complete demolishing of, of college football and amateurism as we know it. And I, that's what I, that's why I don't like it. Yeah. And when I said eye popping or surprising with the Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, I meant, I didn't mean like a coach leaving a yeah. program for another, I meant more just the, the way that it happened with like out of nowhere, it seemed that boom, like that they're gone. One play, one coach that I wanted Ohio State. If I if Ohio State ends up looking for a defense coordinator outside of of Columbus, one guy that I really thought they should look at is Brent Pry from Penn State. He's now the head coach at Virginia Tech. I mean, it's it just this is just going to happen, man. It's just going to be a very very interesting time. And in a show, in an episode of hypotheticals, the one about Michigan losing by sixty five points last year might have been might have been the one that sticks out the most to me. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, it, it wouldn't have been a close game. It would have been an absolute demolishing. And uh, that Michigan team had nothing to play for. They had their key players hurt. And Aiden Hutchinson didn't play all last year. Like, th that was a game that was going to be an absolute thrashing in Columbus. And I don't think anyone doubts that. And that, okay. So the whole born on third base hit a triple thing that Harbaugh said, blah, 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 whatever. Whatever. I love it. I love the, that the I love it too. I, I think it's, I think it's fine. I think the idea here that people are saying Ryan day said that he was going to beat Michigan this year by hundred points is not true. He said it was going to happen last year and that game didn't get a chance to happen this year. Obviously it was totally different. And, and maybe people are just assuming he meant like, okay, the next time we play you, I'm going to beat you by hundred points. But this year was different. Last year was different. It's different when you have 49 freshmen and all that stuff. So whatever, man. We're just talking stuff. Yeah, I think there's probably seven people listening still. Maybe that's highballing it. I but. love the fact that the, the, the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry got a big shot in the arm over the weekend. I think it's going to be good for the rivalry on the recruiting trail. Ohio State-Michigan don't generally compete for the same players. They, they, you know, Ohio State has been re recruiting at a much higher level. I think this game that's happened over the weekend gives Michigan a chance to say, hey, we can belong, we can compete with them, and maybe now they can work their way back into that top three or four. Uh, so I think it's it's all good for for the program and the rivalry. I, I I know people have been, you know, Zach. You know, there are Buckeye fans for the last decade. Who are like, oh, I think every once in a while it's good for Michigan to win. It makes the rivalry better. You got I, your wish. Well, I don't think they probably aren't thinking that right now in the immediate aftermath of it. But what I was going to say on the Bull Predictions podcast, I all of my predictions were based on Ohio State's uh, Ohio State win by multiple scores, and I said Ohio State would get a commitment from after this game. That was one of my bull predictions, and now. I think Michigan probably is uh, in a much better position to do that now. And my my final prediction was, I think, 42-27 Ohio State. And that – I got the score right. Yeah. At least I got that. You but, know, the thing is, though, like this is – because, again, college football is nuts, right? Michigan finally put together a coaching staff that was able to confuse and, all, and, and fluster Ohio State. But is Mike McDonald this year's Joe Brady and, and ends up getting an opportunity to go to the NFL as a defense coordinator? Lifetime NFL coaches, generally speaking, don't love recruiting. And, and Mike McDonald now has put himself into that conversation as, oh, this is an elite defensive coordinator. He did this against Ryan Day. Josh Gaddis, who has done a great job for Michigan in the last two years, renovating their offense. All these new head coaches around the country. Does he get an opportunity to be one? Does he get an opportunity to go somewhere else? And, and there's just so many things that are going to happen that uh, it's kind of 
pointless to try to talk about all of it, but that's what we're doing. And we'll talk about this a whole lot more uh, as we head into signing day in the, uh, November or December 15th through 17th. Zach and I and Spencer will be uh, around occasionally. Spencer is preparing for the Ohio State Duke basketball game tonight. We're going to get more basketball coverage coming on lettermanrow.com. Part of the On3 network, you can subscribe uh, at the website lettermanrow.com. There's a seven-day free trial. Otherwise, you can keep watching us here on YouTube. Uh, that's Zach Carpenter. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Buyers Auto. Thanks for watching. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.